Hi, welcome to Subversity here on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. The opinions expressed on this show are not necessarily those of the regents of the University of California, nor the management of KUCI. This is Dan Sung with Subversity. Uh, today we have a special guest with us uh, who's a student activist on campus, but he's soon to be the student regent. Uh, technically, he's the student regent designate, Jess. Jesse Cheng. Welcome. Hey, how are you doing? Cool. <laughs> this is so early for me. I, I think I slept two hours last night, four, three hours last night. Yeah. <laughs> I know. And you just went to a big conference. Um, you know, talking about what's going on on the federal level for higher education and what different student associations around the country, student governments around the country are doing about it and how we're going to lobby the federal government upcoming. Oh, wow. Oh, cool. But before we get into your um, views on current issues, why don't we uh, go back and talk about how you got involved in this? Uh, you know, people say that, you know, people always wonder how, um, how ap- activists um, become activists. And I always tell them they're not necessarily born activists unless they're children of activists, and that's a little bit different. And that's usually called uh, red diaper babies in America uh, <laughs> because of red, you know, association yeah. with the left. And uh, so uh, how did you become an activist? Oh, um, well, I definitely wasn't born an activist. Definitely um, wasn't an activist in high school. Um, wasn't an activist until probably my sophomore year in college. Uh, I was doing spoken word, so I went around doing spoken word. Oh, yeah. Um, across across the campus and I did this w- workshop for the Asian Pacific Student Association um, and I did this workshop for them and afterwards one of their uh, board members came up to me and was like hey you're kind of cool um, you want to be on board for our organization you know this is here this is here at, oh. at UC Irvine and um, I didn't really know I, I have this policy that I say yes to everything um, <laughs> can't say no uh. I, I just can't say no or I feel like you shouldn't you know I feel like you get a great life experience by just trying to say yes to as many things as you can. So I said yes, and, you know, I became their advocacy chair, you know. Oh, yeah. And then the next year, we did a lot of things. We um, did the Count Me In campaign to try and get more um, Asian Americans uh, represented on the on the um, enrollment for UC, for the University of California. Uh-huh. So I said, like, Bangladeshi, Thai, like, the Southeast Asian um, ethnicities that don't usually get represented, you know? So it's like this learning experience that as, as the more I got involved, the more activist I became, the more connected to my community I became, you know? But I really started off, like, not at that place, you know, like really apathetic. I didn't really care about much. And you, You're you from uh, Cupertino. Yeah. And that's a kind of nice area up in Northern California. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a really nice area. I was originally from uh, New York um, and Little Italy, Chicago. My, my mom was a, a research assistant and she used to bounce around universities. And so, you know, like graduate students, they don't have much money, you know. Where were you born? So I was born in Buffalo, New York. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we lived in pretty, um, like, you know, middle, low income for a long time yeah. until she decided to move out of the public sphere or the research sphere into the private sphere. <laughs> so, you More know, suddenly like the income, like, shot up. <laughs> and so um, a, lot of it, a lot of it comes from that, too. Like, I value higher education a lot yeah. because... I see what it does for people or I see what it does for my family, you know. Um, and I also see how expensive it is and how much the sacrifice it is, you know. Are they so from Taiwan or are they from China? Or uh, my mom's from Beijing and my Beijing. dad's from Guangxi. Guangxi. Oh, yeah. so China. So China, yeah. Oh, yeah. They're, uh-huh. they're first-generation immigrants. Oh, wow. So did you learned um, Mandarin at home? Or 
<laughs> my mom wishes I did, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but not 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 as much as I'd like. I can still speak a little bit, you know. Um, Have you gone um, gone to China? Yeah, we try and go like every two years. I actually just uh, came to chi- back from China like last uh, month, um, visiting my grandparents. And are they in Guangxi or are they in Beijing? Beijing. Oh, Beijing. Wow. Yeah. Oh wow. So, um, what do you think of China now? Uh, it's different. Is that it's different? You know, I think. Yeah. I think. Uh, was it like I was reading Wall Street Journal? They're saying like the Chinese economy is still expanding as ours is shrinking back. You know, and uh, uh, you know, I was talking with another regent actually, University of California. Um, uh, his name is Hadi. He lives he lives in Santa Barbara, around the area, you know. And he was saying, you know, it's because um, the Chinese population is getting to that point of income where they can start buying things for themselves, like more expensive things, like refrigerators and TV sets and things like that. You can see that, like the the country is modernizing. You know, we have, um, they have more arts and culture stuff. You know, they have a new opera house that looks like amazing. Oh, yeah. yeah, heard you about know? that. Yeah, wow. The pollution is bad, huh? In, it's still bad. Yeah. yeah. They get like, what, 100 days of sunshine out of the year. So it's did really you see bad. any clear skies? Yeah, it's actually all clear when I went there. It was like really beautiful, really oh, hot. Huh. So I was very lucky. Wow, wow. Yeah. So how long were you living in uh, Northern California? Um, since the beginning of high school. High school, okay. Yeah. And was it, uh, w- did they teach Asian American studies in the high schools there? No, no, you did nothing like Asian American studies. Uh, <laughs> I think my high school, my high school, if you know Cupertino, you know, we're f- 50% Asian American. Um, my high school is something like 66% Asian American, hmm. you know, but no Asian American studies. Um, and, you know, our There's government. A- Asian mayor, right? What? Is there Asian mayor? Uh, yeah, there was an Asian American yeah. mayor. Yeah, we had it. Right. I think she was Taiwanese. Yeah. Um, but we never taught, like, Asian American history or Asian American government or anything like that, hmm. you know. Um, everything was very, you know, like a very Eurocentric focus, you know. Yeah, yeah. Going into it. So when you came here, what did you learn uh, from school that made you want to be an activist, or was it was it more the APSA involvement? Um, I think I think because of APSA, I, I took my first Asian American Studies class with yeah. a professor named John Liu. Um, right. I think he's retiring soon, which is unfortunate. But um, I think I think he's like the biggest recruiter for Asian American Studies. Everyone who c- takes his class like comes out loving it, you know. Mm-hmm. And I d- took his class and. Um, you know, in Asian, what it, what it does is it makes it your your life experience seem valuable. Mm. And for Asian Americans, I don't know if that happens for us so often. You know, because we go through this history and yeah. we never hear about ourselves. Like the only thing I thought Chinese people did before now was like do railroads, build the railroads, build the railroads, right? Like and like he, you, you, Asian American studies teaches that you know what you do is valuable. You know, and that's that's really rare for like a young Asian American to hear that what we did we had a history and it's valuable and we are. We are we are people, you know. Yeah, yeah. John Liu's uh, focus is immigration, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Transmigration. Yeah. And so, um, do you like the way he he teaches? Yeah. yeah. Um, he walks around the room, I guess. Huh? Yeah, he walks around the room. It's very loose. You know, sometimes I question whether he has a lesson plan. It obviously works out for him. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, he definitely couldn't come on this air. He 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 cusses a lot. Uh, but you know, lecturing style. You know, I I. My public presentation, I base a lot off of his lecturing style. Mm. His is active and engaging, and he pull, pulls people in, you know. So, like, I've really drawn on that for my public speaking style, you know. You, you know, there's a lot of talk um, these uh, last few days about racial profiling, mm. with uh, profiling with uh, uh, arrest and then um, dropping the charges against Professor Gates mm-hmm. at Harvard. Mm-hmm. Um, 
because he was trying to uh, um, break into his own house uh, in um, in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you been stopped by the police yourself? <laughs> um, yeah, twice. Uh, once in Cupertino. Ah. Um, there's so many Asians there, and they're stopping Asians. They're stopping. Yeah, they they they. Well, well okay, three times done. There was once in Cupertino, and they were right because I was I was doing something bad. Uh, and then once once there because um. They they were stopping Asians. Uh, you know, there's this. I used to dress like like Asian youth have a have a have a kind of like a semi-gang culture, right? And so I used to dress kind of like that. You know, very short spiked hair, um, very baggy <laughs> jeans, like a really tight black T-shirt. You know, um, you still have spiked hair. I know, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I used to dress like that, and they they used to pull me over and like you know where are you going? I got pulled over once in Orange County. Um, it was Which like city. One, no, uh, Irvine, Irvine. I was walking home from uh, uh, University of California, right, Irvine, and then uh, it was like 1 a.m. in the morning. You were walking. I was walking, um, which mm. doesn't happen a lot in Irvine. <laughs> yeah, and a few people walk, I guess. Yeah. There are not many places to walk. But I'm, I'm a big fan. But I was walking home. It was 1, a, 1 a.m. in the morning, and I see this cop car come, by, come behind me, and as it comes across to me, like it starts slowing down, you know, and... The the lights start going off, you know. Yeah, yeah. And then, and the strobe like like starts shining on me, and they oh, start no, pacing along. Blinding, with me. Yeah. yeah. And I was like freaking out. I was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is happening. Like, I'm getting racially profiled. Like I'm like freaking like I'm like five minutes away from the university. Like this can't happen, you know. Um, and at that time, I was like in the application process for just becoming the student regent. Right? Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm never going to get it because I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to get pulled over and I'm going to have to go on my criti- criminal criminal record and I already have something on my criminal What's record. Was this last year? This is like, yeah, this is like a couple months ago. And they pulled me over and they like they rolled down the window, right? And I'm walking and they're like, "Sir, where are you going?" And I'm like, "I'm going home." It's like 5 minutes that way. And like, "Sir, do you know what time it is?" I was like, "Yeah, it's 1 a.m. You know, it's late. I'm sorry." And he's like, "Sir, do you need a ride home?" And I was like, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, sure, <laughs> you know. And they just gave me a ride home. It's weird. I think, I think for Asian Americans, especially in Irvine, like, it's a model minority myth, you know, and it's very prevalent, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like if I was any other type of, like, you know, every uh, any other ethnicity or person of color, or even if I dressed differently than I do now, you know, which is kind of a preppy fashion, you know, that whole scenario would have played out very differently, you know. But like, there's something about like. Asian Americans and this model minority myth that you know, we we don't get suspected of anything, you know, um, and it's not it, it definitely boxes us into a corner and it's definitely not you know helpful because like you imagine like if you were anybody else like how that would have worked out, you know. I guess I'll give you a counter example, uh, maybe a bit longer than uh, two years ago. Mm-hmm. I was driving home at eleven thirty with a Vietnamese student in my car and I just come from a home of another student. Mm-hmm. Uh, from China, and we had dropped her off, and then we would. I was driving near the airport, mm-hmm. and an uh, Irvine cop pulled me over and asked me all sorts of questions about why I'm going to UCI, mm-hmm. what I do there, mm-hmm. so all sorts of irrelevant questions. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, so he, I, he asked for ID, and so I, sh- I reached for my registration, and uh, this was a white cop, by mm-hmm. the way, and uh, and he uh, then all of a sudden he just disappeared. <laughs> Because he got a call from something uh, about something else, I yeah. guess. So, but it was really hard. I couldn't even get, you know, I'm, I've been trained to look at their badge and yeah. also their name, but I couldn't see because he was shining a light right in my face. Yeah. And it was blinding me. Yeah. And, uh, you know, this is, 
11.30 on a Sunday. So wow. later I, I complained to Larry Agrin, who yeah. was uh, on city council. Yeah. And this is actually a few months, maybe a year or so more later. And um, he, he totally was not sympathetic. Yeah. He said, um, he said, maybe he was investing a crime. Yeah. But, you know, oh. and that's why people, I think there's this distinction in the reaction mm-hmm. in the community to Professor Gates' uh, predicament. Yeah. Is a lot of mainstream America doesn't understand yeah. that people of color get pulled over. Yeah. And so they don't understand, the, you know, how it feels like. Yeah. And so ever since that time, um, for months after that at least, I kept a tape recorder in my car uh-huh. to record uh, any time I was pulled over. And I even drove by. <laughs> on the mm-hmm. same road uh, at night uh, near the airport to yeah. see if I would get pulled over again. Uh-huh. And, I mean, I was recently pulled over uh, on campus drive, but this was an Asian cop, and he was actually very nice. <laughs> uh, I was very tired. I hadn't had enough sleep, yeah. like probably today. And uh, <laughs> and I was weaving, mm-hmm. and he he said he was concerned about me, and he said, are you okay, and uh, do you drink? I said, I don't drink at all. And so he said, oh, just, you know, we're watching out for you, that's all. Yeah. So so he was nice. Yeah. He actually didn't uh, ask me all these questions about why I'm what I'm doing at UCI and what, where I'm going and who's this guy sitting next to me and, <laughs> and what does he do and all this stuff. Yeah. And so it's, I mean, you know, it's hard to explain this. Right. How you feel singled out, even if you weren't, you know, who knows why they stopped you. Yeah. Yeah. But because, you know, and as you know, I've talked in your classes about, the 90s when they did actually pull over a lot more Asians mm-hmm. and took pictures of them mm-hmm. and uh, for the gang uh, files. And at that time, uh, a lot of Asian kids were wearing baggy pants. Mm-hmm. These were high school students also. Yeah. And at that time, of course, there were not that many Asians in uh, Orange County. Yeah. And, uh, so it was rare. But it seems kind of weird that they would pull over Asians um, or pull you over even um, when Irvine is so diverse now. Yeah, I and mean, UCI I, is definitely. I don't. I definitely think, with the gay thing and with me, I think there's definitely like a racialized experience, right? Yeah. To getting to getting like pulled over the police or interactions with the police, right? When I I saw police lights in the back behind me, you know, my first inst- in- instinctive reaction was like, I'm sc- I'm like it's over, you know, <laughs> I'm screwed. <laughs> Your career is. You know, my career, career is over, and they're going to get me. And I, you know, it's weird because I was instantly afraid for what was about to happen. And I knew that I wasn't doing anything wrong, you know? But I remember back, you know, even in Cupertino, right, or San Jose, yeah. right, um, where I, w- I was just the way I was dressing. And, you know, police would stop you and ask you what you're doing or if you can't c- carry in lar- large crowds, you know? And you would hear these stories about, like, the Oriental boys and how they took over a Walmart or something mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm. And, like, this whole, there's this definitely, like, racialization, you know? With with being pull, pulled over to police, and I find it, you know, it's just it's strange how it follows you wherever. You yeah, know? and that you know, even a Harvard law professor. Yeah, I mean, I'm you know probably as old as he is, or maybe not as old, and I, I still get pulled over. Yeah. So it doesn't make any sense. No. Um, so it's you know even with Obama being in the White House, it's not the post-racial society that everybody talks about. Yeah. No, it's not, and I think. I think part of Obama's reaction comes off of that. You know, like, everyone criticizes Obama for right. saying, yeah. for speaking just, like, out, yeah. right, against it. But I really think, to a certain point, like, 
you know, I, I think it's part of the racial experience of America. Yeah, he I, he used to community organizer. He knows, yeah. you know, he knows how how yeah. difficult it is, and he in and you know, Gates is his friend and things like that. And and you must be you must be a little angry when you hear about this story. Yeah, especially that picture of him in handcuffs, looking totally you know frail mm-hmm. uh, next to these cops, three cops. Mm-hmm. Uh, although one of the cops was black, but it doesn't really matter mm. because you know they're they're acting like cops and. The the more I read about it, it seems like they wanted him out of the house because if you're out of the house and you yell at the cop, you can be charged with disorderly conduct. Yeah. But if you're inside the house, they can't do anything to you. Right. For Especially speaking if it's your out. house. <laughs> yeah. Right. If it's your house. Uh, but, you know, I mean, now they're saying the woman that called didn't know what race the person was and didn't mention black, actually, initially. Hmm. Uh, and thought that maybe one person was Latino or Hispanic, they say, in the East. And um, so who knows? And she actually works at Harvard uh, for a magazine on campus. Although he doesn't, she doesn't live in, and she's Portuguese, right. actually, the person that called in. But, um, you know, I think this thing would continue because uh, even with the case of the girls that were um, stopped when I, that I talked about in your class mm-hmm. in 93, right. one of them um, ran for uh, city council recently in Garden Grove. Mm-hmm. She had been part of the court action, class action, that sued the Garden Grove police, and she got a settlement. And uh, so about 25 years later, she, uh, 20 years later, she sued the, I mean, she ran for city council. Yeah. And one of the bloggers uh, uh, saw an article I wrote about her and said uh, you should, she should come clean about her gang ties. Wow. So, so there's this assumption, you know, just yeah. because you were in a police file uh, or you joined a lawsuit against yeah. the police that you must be a gang member. Yeah. Wow. I don't... Yeah. But it didn't affect the election. I mean, she didn't win, <laughs> but I don't think it mobilized very many any people against her. I no. hope. Yeah. Wait, so she did win? She did not. She did. Oh, she did not win. She did not. Oh, that's yeah. unfortunate. But... Uh, she was friends with the main plaintiff who went to law school, and then she also went to law school. Mm. And she did... I think she did public policy at Harvard. Yeah. Wow. Uh, uh, Lin Ho. Uh. And so did you meet her? Yeah. No, I, I've never met yeah. her. You, uh, she's in in the area, yeah. Yeah. And uh, but you were in the Brand Center when Obama, you know, had this uh, virtual um, experience. Yeah. Uh, you know, he was hooked by um, by not by TV but by audio, I guess. Yeah. Uh, into the Brand Center during some Asian um, event. Yeah. Uh, before the election, and he said he was uh, Asian Pacific American. He said. Yeah. <laughs> because he was uh, born in Hawaii. Yeah. Uh, and everybody cheered. Um, yeah. Well, what do you think of? Um, do you think? What do you think he's going to do for higher education? You know what? I think he's. Um, I just came from this conference, so I'm like teeming with these 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 facts. You know, I think he's he's actually doing a lot. You know, um, he g- he f- gave out uh, money for Cal grants, right? Oh, yeah, oh no, he's for community colleges. Community colleges. He just go- gave yeah, yeah maybe money. some money. Money out for community college. I want to co- come back real quick to a point that you made. He, he called himself Asian Pacific American. Yeah. Um, and I remember I spoke at this. Uh, it was API Vote, the town hall. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. right. Um, and I spoke at this. And I remember afterwards reading uh, Angry Asian Man, um, the oh, blogger. Yeah. yeah. Right? And he was speaking on, on how people were saying that Obama was the first Asian American president. In the same way that um, at one point, I forget who it was. It was um, an African-American poet or a writer 
had called Bill Clinton the first African-American president because of their ties to the community, mm. you know, and because of a sh- somewhat of a shared experience or something like that. Like, mm-hmm, Obama mm-hmm. has this, this somewhat shared experience with Asian-Americans. And also he grew up in Indonesia, and uh, there are a lot of immigrants from that area. Right, this transmigration experience. Yeah, I think sure. it, I think it's, it's, it's very interesting, the different, the different ethnicities which tie themselves to Obama. Yeah. You know, the number of ethnicities that tie themselves to Obama and see him as one of their own. Yeah, yeah. How difficult really is that for a person, right? It's it's hard enough to be a politician or to be a public figure, right, and be tied to your own ethnicity, right, and still represent that ethnicity. But to be tied to so many is really interesting for Obama. Yeah. Anyways, back to higher education. Um, he's doing a lot of things. Um, we're seeing amazing things with the Pell Grant, you know. Oh, we, yeah. We're raising the Pell Grant level. We're raising the amount of the Pell Grant. And we're raising the eligibility of people who can apply for the Pell Grant. Oh, I see. Um, and he's doing that for for the Pell, for on a federal student aid level, yeah, yeah. which is you know absolutely amazing because our Cal grants are are leaving. You know, our Cal grants are leaving, right. so Pell grants have to take up the slack, right? Our Cal grants are leaving. You mean. Cal yeah. grants are leaving. Sorry. Although Yudof, right. um, the president of UC, just released money from this reserve fund to pay for Cal Grants for the UC mm-hmm. uh, two weeks ago. For the, for the fall quarter. For the fall, just for the fall. Right, because yeah. we have to IOUs from the from, from um, yeah. John Chang, the comptroller, right? Right, right. Um, and, and see, that, and, and that's the situation we're in. The other thing is this federal stimulus money oh, yeah. um, that he released um, has saved the UC right? last year. What happened to it? Did it actually come to UC? It, yeah, it's come down into our uh. budget, you know, and it's, a, it's somewhat considered a one-time fund. You know, like it's only a one-time payment. You yeah. know, but it saved us, you know, millions of dollars that were we were in, we were not, we didn't have. Mm. You know, and it's filled definitely filled a gap that the UC would be in much worse place if that that money didn't come in. You know, um, not to say that money's going to still come in next year. You know, that's a one-time fund, but you know, it got yeah. us, it got us over the tide. Um, I want to talk. There's one thing that's really interesting, and this is the Student Aid, um, Student Aid and Fiscal Responsibility Act. By George Miller, he's a Democrat mm. in the House of House um, c- Chairman of the House Committee on Educa- Higher Education, um, and what it does, it does a number of things. It's really amazing. Um, it improves the student loan program, right? So it takes out the middleman, the banking, the banks who are the middleman for student loans. Oh, I see. Right, I read direct, right. Yeah. direct loan from the federal right. government to you, so your interest rates are better. Banks stop profiting off of right. student loans because um, they do now, you know. Sure. Um, the other big thing that I really like is it simplifies the FAFSA. Like um, the FAFSA, the FAFSA, the federal, the federal aid, the free aid, federal. I forget what it stands for. It's the form you fill out to apply for federal aid, uh-huh. and also the form you fill out to apply to mo- numerous scholarships. It says how much aid you should get, uh, what yeah. your need base yeah. is, um, and and it simplifies that. It does no longer. For example, you no longer have to ask for your parents' assets. Oh, because that stuff is so hard to understand and so hard to work out. And you're, a lot of times, students are just guessing. Right, oh, when yeah. fill, filling that part out, and parents, you know, especially if you're a second-generation immigrant, or and your parents are first-generation, sometimes when you ask them these things, they have no idea what you're talking about, right? Like, like they don't know what assets they have, you know, they've not trained in the system, you know. So for them to be simplifying this is a big step for us mm. in accessibility to federal aid, and of course at the same time it raises, it helps out student loans and it raises Pell grants, and he does the community college, he's giving out the free community right. college thing too, um, and so these are like big steps on a federal level. Right. How um, about the UC? Some people in the UC are saying uh, admit more foreign students because they pay more. Mm. I mean, isn't there? As far as you know, do you is there actually a 
I mean, there is a commitment, right, to admit California students. Yeah, there's definitely. Um, but all right, let's think about it this way: it's intertied, right? Like the California budget at this point, right, pays for approximately like half of my tuition as a as a as a UC student, mm. right? The reason California students have a commitment in the UC, there's a commitment to the UC for California students, is because their taxpayer money is paying for our tuition. Oh, I see. Right, like since you're paying for it. We, we, this system is for you, right? Yeah. And the state system was built for you, right? But if we start seeing the CA budget shrink, and we are, right? Like, if that investment starts pulling away, shrinking down, right? And they start paying less and less of our tuition, right? There's less and less of an obligation for California students to have a priority in the UC system. I thought the, use, the Constitution says you can't charge tuition, but you can charge fees, right? Right. So it's called fees. I guess it's uh, the same thing. Yeah, yeah. fees. Um, we're calling them student fees. Oh, yeah. So, so um, a large part of those student fees still come from the state, right? State general fund. But most of the UC support is not state support, right? I mean, UC support is only less than ten percent, maybe six percent or something. Right, right. UC I itself. Mean, I mean, um, but for student, for student uh, aid and stuff, that's from the state, right? Well. Mm, no, not necessarily. So what we do is like we call it the core, the core educational fund. That's yeah. like the operating the operating fund that funds all of the core like academics and student life on a campus. Yeah. yeah. Um. And a, still a large mar- majority, a sur- still a large portion of that is still paid off by the state, just in straight up like funds. Like they're they're giving us these funds to pay off to the state. We still have a large majority coming from the state, mm-hmm. but we're seeing that majority shrink every year. I didn't bring my files, but you know you, pro- you see approximately one third. You know, one third comes from the state. You know, and then a lot of it comes from, mm. like, you know, there's a portion that comes from the UC general fund. And then the other, everything else is made up by the student fees. You know, so if you can imagine this bar that stretches yeah. across time, you know, as the state mount goes down, right, we use the student fees to fill in that gap. And that's what the student, what you see in the student fee increases across the years, that we're trying to fill in this gap that the state is no longer paying for us. Do you think it's a good idea, though, to admit more foreign students? Honestly, no. I, I I don't I don't I don't think it's I think we see that that model in a lot of different universities, right? right. Like university, the other public universities, mm-hmm. um, do that model because it's it it they they pay more, you know. Yeah, definitely. And you can use that extra income to fund your your to keep tuition low for your in-state students, but the you won't have as many in-state students. Your 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 income revenue will coming be coming off foreign students. Yeah. You know, and it's important that this is a social mobility for the university. The University of California is a social mobility primarily for California residents. Yeah. You know, and that's why our economy is strong. That's why where the strength of our university comes from. You know, and that's why diversity in the UC is so important because our state is diverse. You know, yeah, for sure. how 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 are we going to ensure diversity in the UC, right? If we are not taking the diversity from the state, you know what I'm saying. Like, they would just ignore it. We would just ignore it, right? And then you'll see if when we give our percentages for uh, what's our percentage of African Americans or Latinos or Asian Americans in the UC, yeah. right? You have to remember that a large portion of that's being taken by, by, by people who are not of California. You know that don't come from that diversity. And so, you know, if we're taking out spots, saying yeah. we have ten spots, and usually one of them only goes to a foreign student, you know, and now f- four of them go to a foreign student. Well, what are the three spots that you took? Right, those three spots are probably like the more marginalized students, right? The low, lower income students, you know, or the students who did who came from from high schools that weren't as well equipped to send them yeah. to college. Yeah, you know, that's where you're you're taking out from, you know. Yeah. And so, 
that's what will I think I think if we, with that model that's what you you can start seeing you know and so it's a dangerous model to follow down on I really think it is how about this idea that some you've have you seen this letter uh, that um, some UC San Diego uh, department chairs have written. UC Merced. Yeah, they actually want to close down Merced, Santa Cruz, and Riverside, mm-hmm. and and fund mainly the top three: mm-hmm. uh, Berkeley, LA, and San Diego, of course, mm-hmm. and may, maybe Irvine. Um, mm-hmm. But change the whole system basically uh, to uh, graduate school. Yeah, and send all the undergrads to Cal State. And then you go and come to the UC for graduate yeah. school. Um, <laughs> I've seen this. Uh, I, I remember President Udoff called this like plan like really like absurd or something. Yeah, he put like, it down. He yeah. like he like definitely dissed the plan, and I'm glad he did. Um, especially because I just spent the whole last week hanging with Santa Cruz students up in Boulder, Colorado. Right. Oh yeah. Um, so if they're listening in, you know, I'm definitely not going to jack on their campus. But um, why do you think they? You know, why is it Santa Cruz must said and Riverside, that are the targets. You know, okay, so in our in our in our UC system, right? The 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 flagships, the flagships in quotation marks, right? Are UCLA, UC Berkeley, right? And those are like the highest. Uh, you know, their admission rates are the most strict. It's most stringent. They're the, it's yeah. supposed to be the top quality, right? And then you have like San Diego, Irvine, Davis, um, Santa Barbara, Barbara. Um, who are like the middling, the, who are the schools that do very well, right? Um, and they they just do very well, you know. And we have very selective admissions as well, you know. Riverside and Merced, and in some ways Santa Cruz, but not really as much, um, are supposed to be the eligibility schools. Like if you're eligible, you can get into UC Merced and UC Riverside. And that's for us to keep up our commitment to the California Master Plan of Higher Education, mm-hmm. right? That 12.5 percent, the top 12.5 percent of high school graduates will be can will be eligible eligible for the UC and will be admitted to the UC. We serve those students, and that's why UC Riverside and UC Merced are created, you know, to take in those students and give them the same quality of education, right, that the rest of the UC gets, right? Part of our system promise, the promise of 10 campuses, is that you receive around the same education at UC Berkeley than you do at UC Riverside. Like, it's really pretty equitable, pretty the same, you know, on the undergraduate level, right? Um, And so that's part of our system promise, that you 12.5% will receive the uh, quality of education, at UC at UC Berkeley, if you close down UC Riverside, UC Merced, UC Santa Cruz, those are the students that you're closing out on. You know, the, UC, the students that again, like, um, maybe come in not at the highest of that 12.5 percent. You know, but why are the reasons? Like, think about the social capital reasons that they're not at the highest point. You know, um, low income. You know, low income families or like you know not as prepared high schools. You know, uh, a really not great K through 12 system. You know, right. um, poor school district. You know, things like that. Those are students you're closing out on. So it's kind of a has a huge racial impact. It it has a huge ra- it has a huge racial impact. His class impact. Yeah, class accessibility impact. Yeah. How are you still going to make twelve point five percent if uh, of students right like the master plan does ask you to if you're closing down three of your ten campuses, right? You're not. You're not going to make that percentage. You know, and so what the professors are asking us to do is change entirely the model for higher education, um, and really do it in, in in kind of a reactionary way. I feel. Yeah, and they're taking advantage of this so-called crisis to uh, kind of ram this through. Mm-hmm. And if and but you know there's this commission for the future of UC, and <laughs> and they haven't uh, they haven't put any students on that. They haven't put any professors really. I mean, it's mostly 
high administrators, it seems. Mm-hmm. And business uh, leaders, yeah. Uh, uh, business leaders. I mean, not, not line people, mm-hmm. um, no, front line people, mm-hmm. um, rank and file uh, workers. Mm-hmm. Uh, do, you, do you see a problem with that? Um, I mean, there's a petition actually online right now. I think it went up yesterday. Really? Uh, petition online yeah. <laughs> about uh, endorsing. In fact, there's a faculty position and then there's a student staff position to, uh, to President uh, Yudof, I guess, to, uh, to expand uh, this uh, commission to include other people. Yeah. Um, the Commission on the Future, chaired yeah. by President Yudof and uh, uh, Chairman Russ Gould of the Board of Regents. And then UCOP people, right? And UCOP and, people. And, and business, business some business people. Yeah. Um, and it seems top-loaded with uh, kind of corporate interests. It definitely is. Um, this is the interesting thing about the Commission on the Future. And, and this is why I hope... I'm, I'm glad to hear there's a petition out, and I really hope students and faculty and staff, the stakeholders of yeah. the UC, really take an active interest in this commission. Because the commission's goal is to, in 8 to 12 months, right, create a new model for higher education. Replace the master plan? Not necessarily replace the master plan, but definitely revisit it. You mm. know, Definitely revisit the values of accessibility, affordability, quality, and see which ones can we still uphold, what sacrifices we have to make. You know, President Udolph and like Chair Gould have said this pu- publicly, which is why right. I can say this on the radio, right? right? That they, they look at the new model for the master plan, new model for higher education, delivering yeah. education, right? And what what uh, sacrifices we have to make. I don't think maybe not looking at the new model for the master plan, but definitely looking at a new model for the UC, right? And they're looking for something that's sustainable financially, you know, but it means something very different on the ground, right? And so I, I feel like students need to take a very active part in this commission. Like students really need to be involved in knowing what the commission is doing, what it's thinking, you know, speaking out on saying what the commission should do, what things they, students really want to protect, you know. Um, and, and that should be important. But also I think, I think another thing to understand is that for this commission in the future, mm-hmm. um, it's really depressing during re- some points in Regents meetings. Like the UC is facing a really difficult time. You know, we have not faced a difficult time like this in years, ever maybe, in the history of the UC. You know, like this is really a turning point for the UC system. There was a pay cut about 13 years ago. Yeah. Oh, 12 years 19, ago. 1993. So. It's all, yeah, maybe more than that. Yeah. 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 Um, and they cut us uh, 3%, I think, at that time. Yeah. And then, but, you know, this is, it, it's, at this point, it's, we're looking at something, we're looking at pulling back of state funds, you know, like a permanent pullback on state funds, mm-hmm. you know, and that's why the Commission of the Future is being created, because they don't think they're going to get money from the state. People are not convinced that they're going to get more money from the state legislature. But, they, but the UC is funded very little by the state, actually, uh, the rest of the UC. Overall. I mean, uh, over, overall, overall. I mean, uh, apart, apart from the student sector. Right. And, um, um, but the danger, of course, is become privatized. You know, mm-hmm. like Michigan, I think is you know three mm-hmm. percent or something like that. You're yeah. Michigan, yeah, and so it, it's very low funding. Yeah, um, uh, it's it's very it's very low funding, and th- so this is and this is the this is what they're looking at the reality of what they're looking at, you know, and that's why this commission on the future is being created because they're they're at turning points, and I think they I think everyone recognizes that for the UC. Do you, are you going to try to push for more involvement from students? Yeah. On that, on yeah, definitely. I'm, well, on the student level, I'm hoping to, 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 you know, really involve students in, like, looking at this commission on the future and what it's doing, you know. And on a commission level, like, definitely on a regional, regional level, definitely trying to 
um, that liaison, that bridge, right? Like on the commission level, speak to what students are hearing and want to see and what they need for a quality higher education. You can't get on that commission, huh? Um, I don't know if he has. He, I don't know if he's announced membership for that commission yet. Actually, mm. um, we don't know exactly who's going to be on it. I'm sure a number of regents are going to be on it. Mm. Um, and so we'll see because I'm theoretically a regent. We'll see if <laughs> if we if I'm on it or not. Um, the uh, you know the current regent, uh, President, uh, not President, uh, <laughs> Chancellor Drake uh, uh-huh. locally uh, had uh, made a big point about um, uh, you being the student designate at his town meeting. Uh, yeah. He remembered your name, um, Jesse Cheng, yeah. but he forgot the other Jesse, I guess. Uh, <laughs> Jesse Bernal. Surname, yeah. yeah. And he made a big point that uh, Jesse Bernal, the other regent, he didn't use his name, uh, student regent, uh, voted for the pay cuts yeah. and the furlough plan. Yeah. Uh, would you have done the same? Yeah. Why? Me, me and Jesse Bernal um, talk a lot. Mm. And we look at the same information, and you know Jesse and uh, I really lo- Jesse Bernal is a really intelligent guy, and I really look up to him. Um, but at the same at the same time, we were looking at this information. You're looking at this information, right? Um, and the state that the financial state that the UC is facing is desperate, like desperate, like. So you don't agree with the you know faculty. Uh saying it's actually there's lots of pots of money there's all this reserve money you know there was reserve money to pay for Michelle Obama to speak at Merced you <laughs> Merced. know a, a million dollars yeah. came out of somewhere and um, there was reserve money to pay for the Cal Grants this fall right um, so there are reserve monies that are not restricted there are know? reserves money that are, are not restricted how much well okay there are a couple things on this yeah um, a lot of that reserve money is restricted no, well, sure. we, we talk about the we talk about the UC being nine, 19 billion dollars large. The UC system is 19 billion dollars large. Well, how much of that billion dollars is actually used for education or student life? It's really only we're really only talking about 5 billion dollars. Yeah. You know, the rest of it is like hospitals yeah. or business plans or, you know, investments. These things like that. Those things are locked in. We assume those things are locked in. The reserves that we have um, you get well, to give President Udoff credit, like you we see them pulling out him, him pulling out on the reserves for Cal grants. Right. But at the same time, a lot of those reserves are locked in and those reserves are not sustainable. Right. Like these reserves will run out. And I think what we're looking at on the on the on the regents level is that we're looking at a systemic change in funding. In There's the AFSME rep. Um, uh, Juan Castillo was on on my show uh, mm-hmm. last week, I guess. Mm-hmm. And he was saying there's actually 53 billion and reserves and unrestricted reserve. Mm. I have not seen that fifty-three yeah. billion. Yeah, I feel like I honestly I can't speak to that fifty-three billion. I simply I don't yeah. know about that. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna be real to the public that might be listening in to be like, oh man, this guy's whack. Uh, I've been only student regent designate for ten days. So, <laughs> <laughs> so what is it like? Oh, my I apologize God. for putting uh, you on the spot. 12, Twelve days now. Twelve days now. No, so I haven't seen this fifty-three billion. If it exists out there, you know. Well, us all, but uh, I grant your point because Udoff was saying that he was quoted in the register earlier in the month, I think, as saying that uh, um, earlier this month or last month, I can't remember now, uh, saying that uh, before the vote that um, these reserves, in response to a question from uh, a reporter, 
he said, "Well, these reserves. What do you think? This is you think this is this crisis is just one year? It's going to last two to five years. So that's why you need to have reserves for uh, the duration. Mm-hmm. So did in your discussions with uh, at the regent level, mm-hmm. did did you see anything that this was? Is this pay cut plan and uh, furlough plan? Is it going to go on another year at least, or two years, or three years?" Because he was quoted in the paper, Yudof was mm-hmm. quoted as saying it was going to f- be four to five years, this whole crisis. The crisis is going to be four to five years, um, and thus these reserves are important. Um, Yudof was granted emergency f- financial powers, fiscal powers, right, right. in the last Regents meeting. Um, one of the provisions of those fiscal powers, actually, that, were, that was uh, specifically recommended by the staff and the faculty, um, I believe, I could be wrong, but I believe it was recommended, that those financial powers only last one year. They run out after a year. Similarly, the furlough plan that is enacted under that... That's the staff assembly, actually, and maybe the faculty the senate. Yeah. The faculty senate, the but, academic senate, and yeah. the staff assembly, right? Yeah, but uh, that's not... The staff assembly, I mean, but 40% or half, almost half of people are unionized, and they don't, they're not covered by... They're actually not covered by the pay cuts. Mm. Uh, uh, Drake had mentioned that at the town hall meeting, that uh, the unionized uh, employees... Maybe forty or fifty percent of the, all the everybody, are not uh, currently uh, affected until they negotiate. Right. The university has to negotiate with them. Right until until the contract. Right, is, right. Their con- their contracts are signed. Um, at the same time, I believe that the furlough plan will have a. I mean, you know, the furlough plan will have an effect on these on these negotiations. Um, well, I'm not. Actually well, they sure. have to reopen them. So a reopen. lot of them have their contracts already closed. Right. So they have to see if they can reopen them. Right. Yeah. I, just, uh, I just feel that, um, well, I forgot what the original question was. No, no <laughs> I mean, do you sense, at, in your talks with them, did you, at that level, did you see, did you sense that it was going to last more than this year, that this pay cut thing is going to last another year? I know they said it's going to last from September for a year Yeah. Uh, for the people right now that are impacted, and then whenever the other people get on board, then if they get on board, then it will last a year from then. You know, I don't, to be honest, well, okay, to be honest, I don't know. Yeah. Because yeah. I know policy-wise, this only will last a year. Right. Right. But, of course, it can always be enacted the next year. Right. Sure. Right. Yeah. Um, policy-wise, it only lasts a year. But this is, what, this is what, what I think is interesting coming out of the last Regents meeting. And I yeah. hear this a lot. And this is why I think it's interesting. Um, you know, the, the, there's this white paper by the faculty who are part of the National Academy of Sciences, right. Engineering, right. and Medicine. You know, yeah. And they said, you know, very clearly, uh, the person, the representative from them said, um, we have one year to turn this around. Or faculty are going to start leaving. Yeah, they yeah. already have left. And they're, yeah. and they're, you know, they're already, they're already yeah. <laughs> saying bye. I think Vicky Ruiz, the humanities dean, was quoted in the, um, the higher education mm-hmm. uh, newspaper saying, that he's lost, she's lost like what six or seven people to Yale, to Penn, to other people, to Ivy other places. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so we have, you know, before, you know, she, she was like, "You have one year to turn this around. We have one year to really turn this around. Otherwise, you know, bets are all bets are off." You know, and I, you heard that after that one statement, you heard that repeated across the regents' meeting. We have one year to turn this around. We have I one see. year to turn this around. The commission on the future only lasts one year. In one yeah. year, they have to they come up with a new model for higher education yeah. or whatever you know, a new model for delivery, um, and that's the thing now, right? A timeline has been set. You yeah. Know? And so when we ask, uh, when we talk about the faculty, um, the pay cuts, will they last more than one year? Well, well, 
the question is slightly bigger than larger than that in many ways. Um, although faculty pay cuts are incredibly important, you know, I, you know, you got, you definitely have to. Um, faculty pay cuts are incredibly important, right? But in many ways, you're looking at the UC as a whole. In one year, you know, if we don't fix this problem, what's going to happen to the UC as a whole? You know, because faculty will be leaving, students will not yeah. be coming. The confidence in the UC will deteriorate. Right. I'm just saying these are, you know, these are the possibilities. This is what this is what they were saying at the Regents meeting. Yeah. Right. We have one year to turn this around. Right. And so the question isn't only pay cuts. Right. The question is the entire is the entire system. How you about know? tuition raises? Uh, student fee raises. Um, uh, I mean, it seems it's just going to go up and up. Yeah, definitely. And this is this is this is the second part. Like this is access and affordability with the tuition raises. Um, and if you look in the the Regents meetings. Um, the papers that, and if you look in the minutes of the regents' meeting, you know you you will see that um, there is a line in there that says you know we we might be we might need yeah. a mid-level fee increase, a mid-year fee increase, mid-year, yeah, which is crazy because yeah. you're saying in the middle of your tuition, you know, in yeah. the middle of your tuition, your tuition will increase in the middle of your year, yeah, t- your tuition will increase. They so can't plan. Yeah, imagine that what that will mean for freshmen, you know, incoming freshmen. Um, so tuition, you know, and this is, but this, what, what, what are we looking at? When I, we were talking about like the bar, right, for the core operating yeah. budget, right? As state shrinks, student fees rise, rise to fill in the gap, right? So, and, and so, so that's what's happening. As our state budget shrinks, you know, uh, Governor Schwarzenegger just cut $3.3 billion from the CSU and the UC system in the last budget. This budget that barely scrapes by, yeah. you know. Um, $3 billion, st- students are going to have to make up that $3 billion, right? That's how, that's, that's the way the system kind of works right now. Students are, have to make up the $3 billion or cuts are going to have to make up the $3 billion or a combination of both are going to have to make up the $3 billion, mm. you know? And, and, you know, furloughs, the furloughs on the s- staff made up part of that $3 billion, you know, or will, you know, and, and the fee, student fee increase and another student fee increase will make up that part of that $3 billion, you know, and different cuts from different places are going to make up these $3 billion. Um, if the state's not willing to invest in higher education, you know, hmm. this is what higher education is going to look like. What, what do you think of the faculty that they're discussing this plan to not teach on the 10th week? Um, hmm. You know, they wanted to see, they wanted to, have some impact on students to show the community that it's actually hurting. Uh, so, you know, instead of just taking off during, you know, Christmas or whatever, they wanted to not teach, you know, just basically teach nine weeks. Um, well, my finals grades are going to drop. <laughs> um, you know, I actually haven't heard that plan before, that faculty are only going to teach, not, not teach on the 10th week. I, didn't, I haven't heard that, that one before. Um, because they wanted to kind of consolidate. Because as far as I know, I know Drake was saying at the meeting that they wanted people to be flexible about taking the furloughs. Uh, so th- some people interpret it as being able to take it at, you know, a month at a time or three weeks at a time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the way it's worded right now is saying that you have to take it each month, mm-hmm. uh, the furloughs each month. Mm-hmm. So that implies two days each month or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's unclear how they're going to implement it. Mm-hmm. But what they did tell uh, last week on the show... Uh, um, Diane Saha from the uh, Q uh, union said that in the negotiations uh, she was up in um, Northern California 
a few days earlier, the show before the show, she, she was told that because they're cut. Basically, I think as I understand it, because they're cutting the pay every month, and that's going to be cut every month from the people that are being cut. Uh, the furlough will be uh, basically a paid furlough, because by the time you take the furlough, um, because otherwise they'll be cutting you mm-hmm. twice because right. they're already cutting your pay. Right. Uh, so the the paid the furlough days will be just added to your vacation day mm-hmm. as a vacation bank, mm-hmm. and then well, if you don't take it at the end of the year, it would disappear. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you were cut twenty one days or twenty four days, then those would be added to the vacation. So it's basically like more vacation for the faculty <laughs> but uh, and the staff. Mm-hmm. Uh, although in theory, it's actually in practice, it's not paid. Right. Yeah. No. Yeah. So. That 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 is that is the part. Like for you know the pay cut will happen every month. Right. You know? Um, but the furloughs are in, in some, some sense floating, and the president has mentioned that the the chancellors will be in charge of when, how the furloughs will be implemented. The campuses, yeah, each campus, on, on each, each campus. department, yeah. Um, I think an interesting idea that the the faculty will not teach on the tenth week. Um, larger picture wise, this is the quality of the UC education, rapid, like decreasing. Yeah, and you're increasing the fees and getting less uh, less pay. teaching, le- literally less, uh, less teaching less, hours yeah, products. Yeah, right. Um, I think the law school dean was quoted in the press this week. Erwin mm. uh, Chemerinsky is saying he expected the faculty to show up and teach, but not the staff right. <laughs> <laughs> in the law school here. Right. Uh, except for essential staff, I guess. This but is, uh, so I don't know. Every department is going to do it differently. Right. And but. Uh, yeah, for for um, this is this is kind of um that the 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 message right that that leaving off on in freshman year we used to play this game, um where we took our tuition and we divided it by the number of classes that we took. Oh, I see. Um, or the number of like the hours in class we were in. Yeah. And when we slept in and missed a class, we would write on the board the amount of money we just lost. Like, you know, so it would be like, I remember the number came out to like $100 per class. When I skipped a Chinese class, like, I just lost $100 because I had spent that money and I didn't go to that class, right? And if you're a foreign student, it would be like probably 400 or Right, that was the instant instant tuition. So we created this bank on the wall, right? Like, in the end, I was missing like $2,000 of, like, class or something like that. It was really bad, but, you know, it kept us accountable, right? This is, you're... That value of that one class is rapidly increasing because the number of hours in that class are decreasing, right? Because of the the furlough plan, but your pay is your, the pay amount of your paying tuition is going up. I guess they could also. I don't know what they're doing. I mean, this would defeat the purpose of a furlough, but they could get TAs to cover the class, show a movie or something right. last week or something. Uh, but but the TAs are actually subject because they're unionized, so they're actually. I have to negotiate whether the plan will affect them, even though they're students, but they're workers also. So, it's uh, it's a complicated area. <laughs> right, grad students are in a different in a different yeah, area. Yeah, And and it also comes up the question like, how much grad student funding are we actually giving out? How many TA ships are there in each department? Because that's re- rapidly being cut as well. Oh, yes, right. And, and lectures are definitely being cut. Right. There've been uh, even stories in the press about lectures in social science that've been all being cut. Right. Given notices of uh, non-renewal. These are long-term lectures I've been teaching here for a long time. Yeah, the yeah. contracts are just um, yeah are not going back. And you, so so what? So this is you know so this is how it's directly now the financial crisis is directly impacting the quality of our education and our students, right? We have to hold the system accountable 
not not only not only the not not just the UC system, but but the the state legislature for what they're doing to higher education, for what's happening to higher education. What do you think of the plan to um, tax uh, oil revenues uh, to and apply those towards higher education? <laughs> I've I've heard that that Pacific plan. I've heard I've I think heard, there was oh, mentioned oil, oil revenue. Oil, yeah, I mean oh, oil. oil. Okay, I heard yeah. all revenues. I was like all revenues. No oil. A lot oil. Of I meant oil. I meant oil. oil. Yeah, I've heard that. That was actually mentioned at the last Regents meeting. Right, right. Um, and Gary Mindy made a large, strong push for yeah. that. I think it's a very interesting idea. I think it's a, it's a, I think the conversation that came off of that in the Regents meeting afterwards, right, was really interesting. People were saying, like the Regents were saying, we need to start running a campaign. Yeah, like, they need to speak up more because right now they just, you know, cut, 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 and they haven't really spoken up that much. Right. The Regents need, and they're, you know, I remember Regent, um, I believe it was Bonnie Reese. You know, a strong reader, you know, really, and she's really very for the students, you know, very for um, higher education. was like, we need to run a campaign. This is unacceptable. We need to run a campaign um, for our funding because that oil revenue tax, that current bill says that it's going to higher education, right? Yeah. But, you know, that revenue could go anywhere. Yeah. There's a lot of state ser- services that are getting cut, yeah. you know, and, you know, um, Look at all the money that's going to counties, and it's actually going to the state this right. year. You know, the, <laughs> so they could take it up back. Right, and the the mayor mayor of L.A. Villa Villa Rosa um, just wrote yeah, a letter, a strong yeah. a strong yeah, actually, letter. They may sue actually the the state, the city may sue the state. Yeah. Right, actually, I I think in the last budget uh, that that portion wasn't passed. That that portion where they take millions the 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 millions from the the city. The cities? I don't. I'm not sure. No, it passed. It, it passed. passed. Oh, okay. And so. the counties too. Even Orange County, they have to. Lots of cities in Orange County right. have to give up money. They're selling yeah. the OC fairgrounds, right? Right. Um, yeah. Which is crazy because I love the OC fairgrounds. But um, this this is the state we're in, and so some we need to help. We need to hold the legislature accountable to the to what's coming up. How about the other proposal? Um, I know there's a bill currently to give up uh, to take away. UC's autonomy and have the legislature have more say in mm. Senator Yee's bill. Yeah, um, ACA. Have you talked to him about that? I not directly. I haven't talked to him yeah. about that. I've heard a lot of conversation going around that. Um, yeah. I think it's a complicated. Well, okay, it's a very in yeah. in 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 wording. It's a very simple bill. Yeah, you take away the autonomy of the UC, right? It's kind of what the Cal States look like in some ways, right? Um, where they are not autonomous, they are they are under le- the legislature. Um, mm. But in many ways, the implications of that bill are very complicated. Mm-hmm. You know, um, he says that he wants to do it because why? Because we are talking about um, we are talking about keeping the regents, the the president, accountable to the public, um, and that they're making all these cuts um, and 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 but hiring very expensive uh, executive salaries. Um, that's what he's saying. Right, mm-hmm. but like there are, there are other implica- implications of this. Um, the the former student regent D'Artagnan Scorza, um, one of his big points on the on the bill, right, was that if this was to be true, right, there could be large implications for academic freedom. Well, right? then you could have a. Pro- I talked to a faculty member about that here, and he said, well, then they could have a provision, uh, you know, protecting that, saying it does not affect the type of courses that you're talking mm-hmm. about, something. Right, have a sentence in there. Um, but I think the the concern in the literature was that every time you turn around, UC was <laughs> paying all these executives right. outrageous, uh, outrageous bonuses, salaries. 
Yeah, and bonuses. Um, yeah. Yeah. No. And so they had, you know, every time they say that, you know, they they crack down, then something else comes up, some other scandal comes up. Right. And so they just thought of it as a way to stop that. I think. Right. No, I, th- I definitely think there is a. Well, okay. There's two things. I think th- definitely think there's a there is intention of accountability behind a bill. Yeah. But yeah, yeah definitely. But, um, where is the accountability, right? If you if you're saying that we we want to hold the legislature wants to hold the UC accountable, right? Well, let's also remember that this is the legislature that's rapidly pulling out of the UC. Yeah. Right. That their their money is rapidly being pulled out of the UC. At the same time, they say we want to hold the UC accountable. You you are not doing a good job, right? They are not doing a good job funding us. <laughs> right? When it used to fund us, like what? Right. I, I hear these stories that 1960, tuition used to be free. That's definitely not true now. Yeah. They used to fund us a lot more. They used to fund right. us completely. You know, and they used to make a commitment to that. They used to be a commitment right. to higher education. For sure. You know? And that's, that's not there now. But they, they still say what they want to hold us accountable. At the same time, at the same time, um, there should be accountability in the process. Um, so I, I want to recognize that. Yeah, definitely. But, you know, the other thing, too, is like, Who's holding the state legislature accountable on this process? Um, I I really the, believe the voters, I guess, <laughs> because they. Get, <laughs> but you know we can't even vote a tax increase, right? So, okay. Yeah, I'll change the rules. I'll change the way you know they allocate or whatever. Yeah. So I mean, I'm reading the news. I'm hearing the blogs. And I'm I have a I have a Google News alert for CA budget, and I there there's definitely the I feel like the public is definitely mad about. Yeah. What's going on with the California budget, right? The legislature wants to control the University of California, yeah. right? But what are they doing in their own house, you know? So there's this kind of there's this kind of thing out there too um, that I'm hearing being tossed around, around around you know, the board of regents. So, well, thank you very much. We've been talking. This is Dan Sung. We've been talking with on subversity with Jesse Cheng, who's the UC new UC regent designate uh, for the University of California. Uh, good luck, and we'll hopefully have you back um, on these issues Thank again. You. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for being on the hot seat. <laughs> <laughs> Usually I don't try to put uh, my guests on hot seats. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you. This is Dan Sung. This, uh, this program uh, will be put online. Uh, there are podcasts on the iTunes iShop. You can Google, uh, you can search uh, Subversity on iTunes, and also on KUCI dot org slash subversity thank you